Well, uh, welcome to our very first fans phone-in. And just to check in with our panel tonight, they are Matt Roper. How are you, Matt? I'm not too bad, thank you, Andy. Good evening. Good man. And a former Orient legend, he's still a legend, Terry Howard. How are you? I'm all right. A former legend... Does that imply I'm no longer a legend? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, fading legend. <laughs> anyway, no. I love you too. <laughs> no, you're, you're always a legend to us. And uh, former Orienteer editor, it's Jamie Stripe. Hey, hello Andy. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And uh, what we'll do is, without further ado, we'll go to the phone. Okay, so who's calling the uh, Orient Hour? Uh, it's Larry Peterson. Hello, Larry, and what's your question for the panel, mate? It's not so much a question as such as whether I want to make a suggestion to yourselves plus any listening fans. Uh, I've got a bit of a controversial um, suggestion which I, I think might improve the morale in the, in the football club. And what it is, is I actually suggested this to um, Ken Teague once. I, uh, you know, I don't think he wanted to do it, but but it's just my idea. It, it was a thing called the Magnificent Seven. What it is, is that Orion offer a free season ticket, probably to some youngster, I would think, in seven parts of the ground, i.e. in the West Stand on a corner, on the West Stand on the other corner, on the South Stand on one corner, on the South Stand on the other corner, on the East Stand on the left-hand corner and the north stand the left side and the right side so there's seven people with drums banging away because i found that when i've been to football football grounds and there's a drummer and i i remember going to tranmere and when uh, orient played tranmere um, last season um, basically i do think drumming actually helps the team because especially when everybody's singing along to it and it's just, I think that's why people are a bit quiet. They, they need something to prompt them a bit. You see, if a goal is scored and we're 1-0 we're down and then we equalise, we come back and start to make a lot of noise. But we need something to prompt us to, to, to make the noise in the first thing, first place. So I think, I think a drumming would, would really, really make a, a difference. I have suggested this to a lot of people, but... They've all said, oh, no way, I don't want a drummer near me. But I just wondered what, what you think and what other listeners think. Because, I, 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 you know, we've got this reputation of being mm. a bit of a quiet club. And I must okay. admit myself, I am quiet myself. All right, Larry, I'll tell you what, there's no person more, more qualified to talk about drumming than Matt Roper. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why is that, Matt? Why, why, did you used to take a drum? I, I did, yes. Um, I think... I think it, it sort of came on the back of the, the great confetti away days back in the early 90s. And, and listen, I, I, I had a conversation on social media the other day. I'm, I'm, as, as most people probably know, I'm all up for a bit of atmosphere. And, uh, you know, and it's an age-old thing about should the team drive the fans on or, you know, should the fans drive the team on? I think it should be a bit of both. Um, personally, myself, I'm probably a bit old for... Definitely in some poor sod in, in, in row D in, in the West Eye. But it, it, it's, I think you've got a point, Larry, whether or not it's a drum. I think you've got a point in terms of when, when we could be a little bit more drum, atmospheric, did... certainly at home, certainly at home. Yeah, but when you, when you used to drum, did people used to sort of sing along to your beat with songs? 
I wouldn't let you call it a beat. Yeah, I wouldn't let you call it a beat, Larry. <laughs> Um, oh, but yeah, I think I think people did get you know when you've got something like that, whether it, it, it's a person leading the the singing or you know there's there's something else yeah. being done there. I think you know uh, again, I think it probably depends on the actual game. Is has there been an incident that's got everyone going? Is it a referee's decision? Is it a goal? Is it you know is it a big cup game? But um, yeah, you know whether or not it's a drum or not, ago. yeah, I, I, you know, and I'm sure Terry would say the same thing. There's there's nothing like a you know a ground that's that's you know, sort of banging along and, you know, he's, he's, he's very atmospheric. Yeah, I mean, I think about two years ago, there was someone who did bring a drum and it really did make a difference. I, I'm actually, I, I, I'm certain I, I, I'm, that drummers make a difference to the football games, I really do. And, um, you know, I know a few people might not want it, but I, I think it's, it's, it's for the benefit of the club, you know, really. But as I say... My idea was, to, you know, to give a free season ticket away at the start of the season to, to seven people who sit sit in these corners and, and make the noise. And I think if they did that, the place would be absolutely deafening. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, the, the results, you see, you see different results on the pitch. I really, really do see it. I mean, I could be wrong. You could try it for one year even, but... Hmm. It's just a suggestion, you know. I know it's a fair suggestion, Larry. But don't, I mean, Tell and uh, Jamie, don't you think there are supporters who would find the exact opposite? That it's rather annoying having somebody on a drum. What I would say, I would say that maybe having one drum would would suffice. I, and I do take your point that it it does need to be a little bit uh, livelier in the ground. I think I, I think going back, I think most clubs have an area where where a lot of noise emanates from. We, we don't seem to really have that. There's a little bit in the Tommy Johnston stand, like we were near the away supporters trying to go the away supporters oh, sometimes. Oh, yeah. The, but it doesn't seem like there's the many of them. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how far you go back supporting or it, Larry, but, but back when I was playing in the 80s and 90s, the West, the West stand was always the place where you'd get most of the singing. And, and invariably, you, you'd have, you know, uh, even on quiet, quieter nights, you, there'd still be sort of 70, 80 boys that would sing in there and whatever. And I think that certainly certainly helps because obviously it starts off a bit of a chain reaction for some of the other fans uh, in the stadium to start singing. At the moment, we don't really seem to have anywhere that's really um, triggering a song when we need it. It's all right when we score and you get the noise and you get a bit of in or in or whatever song they're singing. But as I say, yeah, you're right. We uh, when in the quieter spells of the game, we're, you know, it would help. I think it wouldn't hurt the players to, to have a bit more noise in the stadium. Yeah, I'd go along yeah. with that. I think Crystal Palace. I mean, I just remembered another match with their ultras. They've got a special area. I think it's is it the Holmesdale end? I'm not quite sure. So they've got a lot of drummers and flag wavers down there. So yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, obviously, you'd have to run it past the, the club and the powers that be. I don't think they go for a drummer in each corner of the ground. But yeah, if, they've, you know, if you've got a certain section of where I understand, I can't see a problem with it. Right. Thanks, Larry. It's a, a great call, yeah. mate. Yeah. Can I just make make one but. 22nd point. I well, just remembered another match I went to where the noise was absolutely deafening and it was like kind of kind of scary. In fact, was when we went. To, uh, I went to see Orient play Oldham last season. Um, obviously, when we lost, but Oldham were making so much noise with drummers and singing, and it, it just it, it actually is very very. I thought it was sort of terrifying, really, actually, because, uh, you know, it, it just made us feel like that we're, we're with the really quiet end and, you know, there's not many of us here, but there's this sort of like King Kong-type crowd the other end of the, of the, the pitch making all this noise. 
All right. Thank you for letting me speak. Yeah, thanks, Larry. Thanks for your call, mate. Take care. All the best. So, who's calling the uh, Orient Hour now? Yep, this is uh, Trevor Joel. Hi, Trevor. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. A little bit warm, but there you go. Right. Um, what's on your mind, mate? Yeah, um, just um, looking at the uh, the squad at the moment. I'm, uh, I went to the game last week at Crawley, saw the uh, Grimsby game. It's all, it's all looking good. But uh, what worries me um, is, the, is the depth of the squad, you know. And I, and I think, you know, Richie is a, is a, is a proper, proper football manager, you know, proper football man. And um, I think, you know, just listening to the, uh, the uh, after-match uh, interview last night, it seems to me, um, I don't know if I'm right or wrong or if anyone agree with me, a little bit of cry for help for, uh, to, to strengthen his squad. Um, and I think I think learning by our past mistakes, I think I think the fella needs needs a bit of help when it comes to strengthening. I mean, we made the mistake in January when we uh, we you know we didn't didn't strengthen the squad for Kenny, and um, I just I just think the support at the end of the day won't take it kindly if it happens again. And I think I think I think we need to need to back this fella because um, you know he reminds me very much of the fella that got us promoted at the National League. I don't know what everyone thinks. Okay, Terry. Yeah, hi Trev, you alright mate? Yeah, I'm fine Terry, fine yeah, mate. Um, well, when we were discussing this in, in the show earlier, I mean obviously it seems a, a priority for the manager seems to be that, that, that holding central midfielder. Um, yeah. Looking, trying to read between the lines of, of like what he's saying and I, I don't think he feels like he needs a lot more players, but no. that would be the priority. We seem to have reasonable cover, especially in the forwards area. Um, at the back, we were discussing, you know, the, the, the Tom James issue. Like last year, that was a massive issue because he yep. got injured. But you know, we said that what, what I think Richie's good at is uh, if that situation did occur, and let's hope it doesn't, um, he, he'll be able to adjust maybe the system to lessen the blow of, of someone like Tom or any other important player um, I've missed him from the side for whatever reason. So I, I think, as you say, that he's a proper manager. He's very savvy on uh, tactically. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 as I say, I think outside of, of the issue of, of this holding central midfielder, I think once he gets that in, I, I, I feel like he feels like he's almost there. You know, yeah. I don't know how you feel about that, Trev, but... Most yep. bases are covered um, yep. with, with what yep. we've got there. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, you know, as I say, um, just looking at the early part of last season, uh, you know, we signed a lot of players. Uh, we start, we come out the traps really quick, you know, and uh, everyone's expectations were so high. And then I think the turning point that we never recovered from from last season was the Port Vale game away. You know, I, I was stuck to the seat when when they scored two goals in the last minute. Um, we never seemed to recover then, and I think that should have been the telling point. Now the next three games are really tough, um, and that will be the telling point again of how strong our squad is. You know, Mansfield not going to be an easy game. It wasn't an easy game last year. They come down and stopped us. Uh, Swindon away, well, that says it all, and and and, and, and the local derby against Colchester, going to be a tough one as well. So, so these three games, 
I think I think maybe maybe we needed to bring a couple of bodies in just before these three games and 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 and, 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 and mix them into the squad. Uh, don't know what you think, Terry. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Trevor. Uh, the next three do look pretty tough. But if you uh, remember what Wellin said last night, he said it was quite imperative that uh, we got that central midfielder in very, very yeah. quickly. And we need to make a few calls quickly in the next 48 hours, I think he said. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're dead right. I think Wellin is a, a, good, a good manager for us. Yeah. Speaks his yeah. mind. I'm sure, yeah. you know, yeah. he's made it quite clear yeah. what he wants. Whether yeah. he gets who yeah. he wants is the yeah. big question. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's usually pretty tough. I mean, we, we, we had it with Russell Slade, but it's usually really tough for a northern manager to make it at a southern club. Um, you know, they have to work that bit harder because, you know, I think I think up north the football's a lot tougher. You know, um, it's, you know, that they play a lot, the hot, you know, especially in some of the, uh, some of the lower leagues that, you know, it's tougher football up there and he's used to it, you know, and I, I think he's, you know, it's going to take you know, he's, he's getting accepted. I think the fans like him. You know, it's all going in the right direction. So, you know, we've started the season off in a, in a good momentum. And I think, you know, um, we get if we get possibly six points out of nine here, you know... Um, it, Trev, it, I think no. where, where, where the manager helped himself, right yeah. from the first day, he's been transparent. Yeah. He's been very honest. Yes, been very definitely. upfront. He's been very definitely. inclusive of the fans, you know. Definitely. Whereas definitely. Kenny, you know, he, he was the opposite. He was, you know, yeah. very intrusive. No yeah. one really knew what was going on there. No, you no, know, no, it just no, seemed to no. me that Kenny, for whatever reason, no. seemed to lose yeah. interest. Uh, you know. Uh, well, well, I, 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 I sat, be, you know, I sit right behind the dugout, and I speak to the people around me, and um, I think, you know, listen, Kenny's record was 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 really good, you know, and, and, and when he when he got chosen, everyone was thinking, there we go, this is going to be, this is going to be it. But when it comes to personality, you know, I used to watch him and, you know, probably about, you know, half hour before the kickoff, he used to just stand in the dugout and stare into space, you know, and, and it, was, it was, you know, no personality. And it does make a lot of difference, you know, when, when, when a manager interacts with the fans, gets them going. I know a few fans have been a bit upset this week when he's had a little go at them about negative songs and all that type of thing and that. But I think it's early doors. I think I think the interaction will grow stronger the more games he comes up with that's positive because it's a, it's a results business at I the think, end of the day. I think, Trev, what, what I, I don't know, um, obviously, Richie, I'm not privy to what no. goes on in the dressing no. room, but what I would say was, he's, to me, he strikes me as a good man manager. I think, you, I think as a player, all you want is someone who's straight with you, where you stand with them. You might yeah. always agree with what they say, but with, yeah. with Richie, I think, you know, he'll be honest enough to tell you where you're at. He won't, you know. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a work ethic there that everyone's having to adhere to. And I think yeah. so far, people are responding. We were talking about Dan Happy earlier, and he seems to, you know, coming out of a, a, a difficult yeah. season last year, yeah. and he's looking a yeah. better player. He looks like he's improved yeah. for, for being under yeah. Richie. So, yeah. you know, as I say, from, from a player perspective, um, you, you can't keep everyone happy within a squad. Of course but you can't. all you, you can't. ask for is, is a bit of honesty and transparency yeah. from the manager, and I, and I think yeah. Richie provides that. Definitely, definitely. And, 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 you know, I've watched him. I watched him towards the end of last season, and I watched him for the first two games of this season, and he's very hyped up. I mean, I, I, um, I um, noted one of the comments that he made was, 
I was very nervous coming into this game, which makes me think he psychs himself up, like you probably did tell, you know, when you're going into games or whatever, but obviously being the manager, he psychs himself up. He's so hyped up, you know, that he, you know, he's, he's, he's really up for it, you know, and that, and that, that gave me an indication he was really, you know, um, you know, he, he's, he's, I think I think he's, he's, no. you know, he strikes me a character wears his heart on his sleeve a little bit. I mean, yes. I, as I say, I think what you see is what you get with him. And definitely, so if you're, as you say, like yourself, a lot of fans do watch the body language and, and, yeah. and of managers and stuff. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I would imagine that most of the fans are pleased because it, it looks like it means something to him. It looks like it, you know, yeah. It, yeah. he cares. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is yeah. not always yeah. the case, surprisingly. Yeah, and 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 I think to be honest here, I think that you know we 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 we've been a bit of a divided club over the last few seasons or so, and I think that you know someone like him could you know bring the supporters together more. You know where people have got opinion, I've got my opinions, other people have got their opinions, and um, you know if you're winning and the momentum of the club's good and the atmosphere's good, I think all the Silly things get yeah. overlooked. Well, think, when you're losing yeah, and you're going on a losing streak, Absolutely. all those things seem to come out, and people are noticing silly things. It's like, you know, uh, if we're losing, and I've seen people go into the Legends Lounge where I sit, and they go, oh, there ain't enough milk there, and things like that. Yeah. If they come in and it's winning 3 0, they're drinking. You know, the well, worst I, I, cup of coffee they've ever seen, you know. Yeah. Going, you going know. back to what you said about, you know, singing songs, yeah. I think what he's trying to do is, is to create, you know, uh, Brisbane Road as, as more of a little bit exactly. fortress-like, you know. Exactly. Make, it, make, exactly. It, make it an atmosphere where exactly. teams don't really want to come yeah. there. Yeah. We, yeah. We've never really been like that, you know. Never, you, you never. Know, from going I, I, to I, I, some, I, some away I, grounds, I, they're horrible. Yeah. And as players, they were horrible to go to. I, I, and, and we've I, never I, really been that club. But I think all he was trying to do... I don't think he was being nasty. No, not at all. No, I saw it like that. Be, no, no, no. There's a bit of constructive criticism for the fans. It'd be nice if we if we did sort of create a bit more atmosphere. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And I think sometimes, I mean, that that ground sometimes is a little bit difficult. You know, difficult the way it's set up the ground. Sometimes it's difficult to get some type of atmosphere. And in my opinion, I'd probably move the away fans because where they're sitting, and if they've got a lot there, like Grimsby did, and it didn't actually happen on the first game of the season, I I personally. Where the away fans sit is an advantage to the away team because they seem to. I know away fans always sound louder. We did a crawley, and you know, but that that side there seems to. I don't know. It, it projects a lot of um, noise. I don't know if anyone agrees with me. I think uh, Trevor. I, th- I think. Listen, what we've got in, in Richie Wellens, firstly, is a, is yeah. a positive manager. Let's just go back to Richie. Yeah. I think he's yeah, yeah. He, he's got the buy-in from the fans already. Yeah, he came in, did a very good job at the end of last season. I think. Yeah. We, we, you know, the fans and, and Richie seem to be bouncing off of each other. Definitely. Definitely. What I think with Richie might be interesting is we could have. Oh, I don't really like the word, but we could have a long-term project here. We could have a, a, a Russell Slade type manager who's going to be in for three, four. Five years. We've had some. I wouldn't say the fans have been divided, Trevor. We've just had a horrible time of it, haven't we? Since, yeah, since, since yeah. we got back in the league, yeah, you know, yeah. I know every team's had to deal with COVID. We've had COVID. Yeah. You know, we, we we had the horrible, you know, the the, the tragic passing and Justin. Just things, yeah. you know, some things no doubt we've caused ourselves problems. Things yeah. haven't quite gone according to plan. But I think no. with Richie, 
with Richie now, I think he knows what he wants. He, yeah. He's a clear winner. Yeah. As I said in the uh, the program this evening, what yeah. I like is I know he wasn't everyone's uh, greatest appointment, but I think no. Paul Terry and Matt Harold already being yeah. there, I think we've yeah. got a very very tight management yeah. team in the yeah. in the dugout. Yeah. And, and and yeah, look, this is the Orient, and it's the it's the old hope that kills us. But I can actually see this being a you know not trying to run before we can walk, but I can see Richie no. being there a good four or five years, and I can see him achieving yeah. a, a promotion yeah, definitely, and, definitely. and really kicking us on towards that. You know that that second tier again, quite honestly. And, and, I, and I and I think that's what we need. You know, all this chopping and changing managers, and it's it, you know it doesn't do us any good, right, as supporters, and it doesn't do the club any good. You know, no, I think it, you're right. It, it just it just it's no good. You know, we, what we need is we need a Saturday afternoon and a Tuesday night where we can be a little bit happier and walk away from there and think, you know what, you know this 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 is this is going well. I mean, we all did think like that at the start of last season, but it literally just, I don't know, I don't know where it went wrong, but it just literally just completely just melt. It went into meltdown, you know. Uh, and I know the COVID breaks and all that didn't help us and that, but I just, I just think this season, I, 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 I've got that feeling that you know we're gonna we're gonna do something, but we do need the supporters all round. To get behind I think it'll, it'll get grow, behind. Trevor. It'll grow with results, right. you know. And if, we, if right. we're winning and doing well, yeah, you know, the yeah, management yeah, will be happy, yeah. the supporters will be happy. You know, we'll yeah. all bounce off of yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, starting this Saturday, get another win Saturday. And as oh, I said, um, yeah. as yeah. I said tonight yeah. on the show, keep a clean sheet Saturday. Let's put three clean sheets on the board, and you know, if you beat Mansfield yeah. and then get an half decent result against Swindon and Colchester, yeah. I think yeah. we're, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. be firing. And I, I, I think I think what we've got to do is I think we've you know where we used to be thinking oh do you know we're going to go to Colchester and I think we've got to think to ourselves now we, we, we're going to go there and we're going to get a result like I mean you know the National League season that we we got promoted you know that you know the the, the, the Sutton game you know we knew that was going to be a tough one but we were confident you know even when we went one down that we was going to come back and win it. You know, and, and, you know, I was talking to the players, I spoke to Joby a few games before, possibly before the Wrexham game. He goes, you know what, we're going to do it. So even the players had it in their minds that they were going to do it. And I think this season could be that, that, that time again, possibly. I don't know, you know. All right, Trev, well, you're very confident. And uh, yep. thanks for phoning in, mate. Oh, you no, take no care. No problems, and uh, good luck to everybody. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Joe. Bye. Cheers. So who's next uh, calling the Orient Hour? Hello. Oh, hi, hi. It's uh, Daniel Gold. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Yeah, not bad. How are you doing, all right? Very well, mate. Very well. Uh, what's, your, what's your question for the panel, Daniel? I just want to know what they think about um, what's happened with certain people that work at the club who aren't there anymore. People like Errol, uh, obviously yourself, Andy, Howard. You know, I mean, I had a conversation with Errol the other day and uh, asked him about what he's doing. And uh, he's doing something for prostate cancer, big van that he's got that he wants to park up outside our stadium and apparently he's, he's contacted Orient and he's had no response and I spoke to the new CEO and the new CEO didn't even know who he was. I just want to get their views really on what they think about these people who are coming back to the club and whether or not they think they should and if they think Orient should invite them back really. Jamie? He wants to get your opinion on what you think about people like Errol not being used by the club and... Uh, well, uh, it's just... It's quite sad in a way, isn't it? Because Errol and 
Harold, they'd been around for a long, long time, wouldn't they? And I think it just became what, at the time, was the victim of the COVID crisis, wasn't it? I mean, a lot of people got released and not taken back on. And they're, they're good people. And you just kind of think, you know what, surely there must be some sort of place for them back, back at the club in some sort of capacity. And it was quite sad the way it all kind of ended for them. But, you know, we don't know who makes the decisions and takes these decisions. Maybe one, you know, it'd be good to at least get them back on board in some sort of limited capacity at any rate. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I mean, look, obviously times change and people move on. Of course they do, but people like uh, certainly people like Errol, you know, Orient fan through and through. Um, I've, I suppose it, it, it's not really sort of breaking news. As far as I understand, I gather Mark Devlin wants to speak with Errol. Mark Devlin has been asking who this Errol is, so... As far as I know, mate, I think I think Mark wants to find out exactly who Errol is. And, and look, I've dealt with Mark Devlin on a couple of occasions when he was at Brentford, and I've had a very, very, very brief chat with him since he's been at Orient. And Mark Devlin is, to me, he's a very, very good CEO. And and if he thinks there's merit in people like Errol coming back to Orient in some capacity or another, I I would expect Mark Devlin to to green light it. So, um, you know, it would be nice to have. People like that about. I mean, you know, we, we, we're not a massive club. So we need every, whether they're in there in an official or unofficial capacity. We want to see as many people involved with the club, whether they happen to be sitting in a stand or, you know, doing something behind the scenes. You know, we we, we need everyone we can get, don't we? Yeah, agree. I mean, I think the thing is, Dan, it's a balancing act. I think. Um, oh, sorry, I'm just turn my own microphone up, then you can hear me. I think uh, it's a balancing act that needs to take place. In that we have to accept that. You know, certainly people like myself, Errol, Howard, etc. Those sort of people that you mentioned, we're not getting any younger. So we we all reach a point where you know you you are at a certain age, where can you relate to certain people? Uh, that that's a question that would come up. Uh, uh, and but it's also a place for those people, and it's a place for the younger people to come through at the same time. And I think it's it's utilising both the youth youth and the experience in the right way. I mean, to basically do a cull of everybody who's over, you know, 55 or something, it's, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit drastic, especially when those people weren't particularly costing the club any money. I understand that they're trying to appeal to a younger audience and to entice new people. So, as I say, there's two sides to it. Uh, but it's just the, the manner in which things are done sometimes aren't uh, as professional as they should have been. And uh, also, you know, people like Errol uh, don't grow on trees. You know, they, they are very rare. They're, they're people who are great for a community. They're, they're good um, in that they're raising awareness for, for uh, cancer, obviously, and doing a lot of good work. But Errol can relate to, you know, the, a lot of the young kids where, where they're getting involved in gangs and things like that. And, I mean, Errol, um, I've known for, you know, 25, 30 years, and he's a good friend. And, uh, you know, Errol, had a, you know, when he was young, when he was quite young, he was a bit, bit of a naughty lad. And, uh, you know, he could handle himself, and he still can. And... Um, Therefore, he can relate to these young kids and he can, you know, turn some of them around. And I think the club are missing the boat, where, especially community-wise, uh, by not utilising him as much as they could have done. And, I mean, he's, he's um, you know, how many people have saved as many lives as, as Errol? I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a sort of person we should be putting up on a pedestal and, and saying, you know, he's part of our club, not pushing him aside and saying, oh, he's 60 now, let's get rid of him, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know so he's somebody that we, we really should be saying, 
you know, we're very proud to have Errol at our club. Yeah. You know, and people like Howard as well. I mean, you know, Howard's so well respected in the work he did in the community, etc. You know, and it's very sad to see someone pushed aside like that. And um, you know, it's not nice, obviously, when any of us, um, you know, when you when you get told you're not wanted, it's it's it's, 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 it's hurtful. It's it's not nice. You can't make out. It's anything else. But it's the way things are done, and, and um, you know, as I say to you, I think it's a question of we do have to accept there's a time when you all pass your sell by and, and things have to move on. Um, but at the moment, I think all those people that you named could have been utilised alongside the younger people, and slowly over the course of four or five years, you know, those those younger people would, of course, be more and more prominent, more and more prominent, more and more prominent as you went along. But, you know, the, the decisions are made, sometimes the correct decision and sometimes the wrong decision. And I think in what you're talking about, uh, Daniel, uh, I'm afraid it was uh, uh, um, some wrong decisions by some very inexperienced um, people who had been given a job title, perhaps, that they um, probably weren't worthy of. But uh, that's, just, just uh, to, um, you know... Just to add that, Andy, just, just two, two points I want to add. First of all, it seems like Errol's charity work and charity has been put on the back burner and it's really just a J foundation that's pushed. You never really hear anything about Errol's charity anymore at the club when it used to be regularly spoken about and events held and, and stuff like that. And if you're talking about older people being released by the club, well, they kept Dave Victor. So you know, maybe that age thing wasn't the case. There might be other reasons behind it. Well, I, I mean, Dave's. A, Dave, I will say, Dave's a very good personal friend of mine, and it's been we've been friends for over thirty-five years. So, um, you know, Dave's an excellent broadcaster. He's, um, you know, a great interview technique. He's a total gentleman, Daniel. And uh, yeah. the thing is, you know, Dave, you know, and any expenses for Dave are covered by the BBC. So, you know, it's not a service that Orient have to um, financially. It's not a financial cost to orient under uh, uh, in any way, and they get a BBC journalist, you know, uh, and commentator for free. So from their point of view, it's it's a decent bit of business. And and Dave uh, conducts himself very well and uh, does command a, um, a lot of respect from a lot of people. So you have to say that um, you know I, I I think he's a very good radio commentator, Dave. I mean, it's a different commentary on the television, which is something I did try at the time to explain to the previous media manager um, but unfortunately that, 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 that wasn't taken on board it's a totally different sort of commentary um, Dave's an excellent radio commentator, when you're commentating on the television you don't need to it's, it's, it's what you don't say when you're on the radio of course it's what you do say because you have to explain everything and then describe everything in detail because nobody can see it but um, it doesn't particularly work as well when you've got a television picture, in my personal opinion, you know. And um, but it doesn't mean to say that the commentators aren't good. It means they're they're trying to they're trying to provide a radio commentary when you are seeing the picture. So some of it will be just too much sometimes, you know. I think I think uh, Daniel made a really good really good point there, Andy, about let's take away from the football side of it. I mean, what Errol's done for prostate cancer, mm. and uh, and yes, I suppose you could, could even argue that the J3 Foundation has become you know, a lot, lot bigger around the Orient for obvious reasons, which is, mm. you know, a fantastic charity. Uh, I, I'll get a little plug here. Obviously, this, this year I'm donating 25% of the, the profits from the sale of the fanzine to J3. But, you know, going back to that, that, you know, whilst you wouldn't want it, any type of charity rammed down your throat, 
listen, football, you know, for for whatever reason, and whether that's right or wrong is maybe another argument, is, is still a, a male-dominated sport. And, and, you know, anything that Errol can mm. do, certainly with prostate cancer, at the Orient, part-time, full-time, at the ground yeah. on certain days, you know, I mean... That's, you know, there, there doesn't even do a discussion about that. I think we're all going to agree, and I don't think you're going to find anyone that is not going to agree that, you know, it raises an awareness about, um, you know, such a terrible disease. And, you know, I think we've all been touched by it. Unfortunately, I think my, both, everyone knows, both my parents are lost to cancer. And, 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 you know, you can't you can't raise more awareness. There can never be enough no, awareness around, you know, such an important issue. So yeah, I mean, it's something... I'd love to see him back at the club in, in that you know, sort of capacity, certainly. Yeah, I mean, something that every everybody, probably everybody listening has been affected either directly or in, or indirectly by it. So, uh, I think the thing is, um, before Daniel was at um, Errol was doing a bit of coaching, etc. And I suppose times have moved on, and the way they 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 have the coaches now, he may not be required for that. But I think he he should be working in tandem with the community officer, um, and being used out there. Uh, to raise awareness, um, not only for the cancer, as we were talking about, but uh, to be out there in the community, and it's a very much a mixed community, and as I say, Errol can relate to certain youths who may be going down the wrong path, and I think the club could be seen to uh, to use someone with Errol's experience and somebody who, within that community, has uh, um, great respect, and outside of that community, great respect. I mean, uh, so I, I just think it's very sad that, um, you know, uh, a great man, and he is a great man, uh, has been dumped like that. And I, I hope the club sees sense and uh, do bring him back in because, um, you know, it, it, it's just wrong. And... Um, uh, and you know, to a point, you know, same with uh, you know Howard. Even if it was some sort of uh, part-time uh, thing, they could bring him in for you know to to make use of Howard because he, his contacts and people he's built up over the years. You know, it's worth its weight in gold. And um, as I say, you know, we we have to accept we are getting old, and we have to accept that certain things should be knocked on their head. But um, as I say, it's just the way you conduct yourself in business. You know, in any business. Um, you don't, you know, you, you treat people with a little bit of respect um, and you treat people with the respect that perhaps you'd, ex you'd expect back the other way. And we know it's a hard business, we know it can be a bit cutthroat, but, um, you know, I've always said, you know, don't treat people how you would expect to be treated yourself and, um, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, there was one situation, Dan, years ago with um, Matt Porter when he was a CEO and uh, he called me up to the office for something and it was... It was, a, it was a negative response for something that I, I, I needed, I, I wanted done. And he said to me, quite simply, he said, the, the answer's no. He said, but you deserve an explanation, which I didn't. He was a CEO. The answer was no. But he said to me, come into the office. He said, and um, I'll explain to you why. And we were in there about five minutes, and, and it was absolutely painfully obvious why it was a no. And I just said, thank you, Matt, you know, for, for, for explaining. You didn't have to do that. But my respect for Matt Porter for taking the time to, 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 to uh, you know, treat you with such respect meant my respect for him went through the roof, and, I, and it remains so. I think he was an excellent, excellent CEO for Orient. I think he's a, he's, he's a genuinely nice man anyway. But uh, I just think people you know, need to, you know, just be, be careful how they treat people, you know. That's why that's I think about it anyway. But, uh, I mean, what's your views, Dan? Well, I, I think 
he definitely should be invited back. I think Orient need to explore the idea of this bus that he's got. That he's telling me that he do prostate checks outside the stadiums. Um, I did mention this to um, Mr. Devlin, who actually I do like him. I think he's done a good job. He said he was going to um, try and get in touch with Errol, and I think you know hopefully he can. Question for Matt about his fancy: Would you consider splitting uh, the money between the two charities rather than just the J3 Foundation? Um, a bit late now, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if 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 you said to me, Dan, a, a couple of weeks ago, before I sort of, you know, in inverted commas, tied up with, with Charlie at J3, uh, I, you know, I'd have been quite happy to, because they're both very, very worthwhile charities. Um, you know, that's not to say that in the future, um, you know, uh, I, I may well consider that. Um, I mean, I can't speak for him. We've got Jamie here from your end here. I mean, you know, maybe they'd like to... You know, do do a similar type thing. I'm, I'm spending Orienteers profits for them, but what, uh, profits? <laughs> what profits? What yeah. profits? Yeah, it's. Uh, but no, it's. It, look, it, it, it's a fantastic idea, Dan, and 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 you know, like I say, they're both they're both very very worthwhile charities, and I think the first thing is with both of them is is the awareness thing. You you know, you said that, and if you know, if it is a case that Errol wants to bring a, a you know a little bus or a container down for a, you know a couple of games, what's the harm? Yeah. What harm can it do? No, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that the year will get on board with anything that everyone wants to put forward. So, yeah, no, drop the line the way, and see what he says. Quick question. By the way, Matt, their price hasn't gone up. It's still the same, you know, the Orient J price. Sorry, what was that again, Dan? I said to, I was saying to Matt, their price is still the same with their fans. Yes, yeah, we've got a, a real competition now. <laughs> yeah, who can, go, who can go to the wall quickest? <laughs> yeah, who's right. going to call in the liquidator first? Yeah. yeah, well, all, price, all prices are going up, Dan, so, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing's, uh, nothing's cheap, you know. I mean, uh, you, know, you can buy a fanzine go cheaper than boiling a kettle, you know that, don't you? <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way it is. One, one, one last thing on the pain side, because I've kept you guys uh, long enough. Um, obviously, you know, I think we've got a very small squad. What do you think, obviously, other than the midfielder, do you think, where do you think we need to improve? And also, I noticed he's talking about the manager, about trying to get a player in on low. I noticed his son went to Cruel. to surprise he didn't come to us, really. Or do you think that was more geographical? Terry, we did talk about some of this on the show, didn't we? Yeah, I, I, I think then that it brings a number of issues with it. Uh, if you've got your son there, it, it, it has a repercussion with other players. If, you're, you know, if, 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 if your dad is the boss and, and their boss, it does can create a bit of tension within the dressing room if you've, you know, I mean, if you, amount of times in every dressing room that players talk about the manager, but it's because the manager ain't someone one of the players dates, you know. So it would it would it would stop that sort of free speech in the dressing room, so to speak. It puts pressure on the boy because if he has one or two bad games and still in the team, they'll say it's favouritism, um, and also it would be difficult for the manager as well having his boy in the team because obviously. He's got to look at him through the eyes of, uh, of being his boss and being his manager, but he's his dad as well. So uh, we, we kind of thought that uh, from a playing point of view, he might be a good asset, but it, it brings a number of possible issues with it. Does that answer your question, Dan? Yeah, yeah, that does. Yeah, all right, that's great. Thank you. Right. Thanks, for your, thanks for your time this evening. Cheers, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for finding me, Danny. Thanks. So, big thanks to those that have called in tonight, and a big thanks too to uh, Terry Howard. Yeah, pleasure being here, Andy. Good man, and uh, to Jamie Stripe and to Matt Roper. Thank you, Matt. 
do it again soon. Yep, lovely. Thanks for uh, the calls, guys. Thanks for calling in. Uh, pleasure. Absolute pleasure as always. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you again soon.